True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. David, so Al Franken, remember when we interviewed – I'm doing Chris Farley. Remember when we interviewed Al Franken? Hey, awesome. Al, I remember when you were on um, SNL? Yes, Chris. Yeah, uh, so Al Franken, you're going to like this one. If you like Jim Downey, you're going to love Al Franken. He was a mainstay writer, producer, and performer on SNL for decades. Mm -hmm. um, Stuart Smalley, he did. He was, in, he was in a lot of sketches as well as writing for years mm -hmm. and years. Uh, and we go into, we do a deep dive into the whole political stuff we wrote in terms of uh, George Bush Sr. especially and Ross Perot. So there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of process in this one. I love that word. A lot of process of how you do SNL. Hey, I'm not going to be upstage. <laughs> I know. What the fuck? We forgot. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Who cares about Al Franken? That's, we got to get our anyway, looks. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we don't look the same anymore. Thank God. <laughs> look at this. We've done too many episodes. We're getting punchy. We've done like 50 of these, 60. Anyway, Al Franken, uh, yeah, he's a good a friend. He's an ex-senator. He always was very politically astute and very into politics. No surprise he became a senator. Now he's out back on the road doing stand-up, and we have a nice chat with our friend I, Al Franken. I knew nothing on politics, and I'd go, what is that? Who's that? That's someone who's a senator? And he goes, why don't you know this? Yeah. You said, who are the dummy-crats? I didn't know anything when I got there. <laughs> I still don't. You know, you're, it's better to stay out of politics yeah. at this point. Just everyone's so angry and sad. Even our president. Like, people, the MAGA Republicans, we got more MAGA and the MAGA Republicans take over the country to search the time. <laughs> <laughs> everyone goes like this. Huh? Huh? <laughs> okay. Al Franken, here we go. It's a good listen. Roll it. You blame DocuSign on Al? No, Al is on the phone to Putin or something. Yes, I really... Uh, is that Putin? Putin, I wouldn't do it if I were you. I just think we can come to sound... Oh, I got to do a podcast. Okay. Flying the I got Walrus. it. I got it. 
fly on the wall. Putin called Al to say, how do I get SNL not to make fun of me? <laughs> we were going to call our podcast the Al Franken Show. But I said, but why? He's only going to be on once. And they said, okay, but. Me, Al Franken. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Fly on the Wall with our very <laughs> special guest, SNL legend and Senator Al Franken. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Al, there's so many things in your career that we're looking at to talk about. Your new nickname yeah. is The Touchstone. I did Saturday Night Live, you know. I do know. That is a big chunk of it. Yeah. We want to go to the deep dive. Mm. Our, our other name for the podcast is The Hot Seat. So welcome, Ooh, Sen yeah. Senator. We really grill him. Yeah, I, I've we, heard you grill. We love our. <laughs> <laughs> we're the worst. We're the worst two hosts. I think we've been voted, but that's okay. That's okay. We're terrible, but we know it, which is kind of helpful. If we that's thought the we charm. Were, yeah, that's the charm of you guys. That's we what people to, love about you. Yeah, I didn't go to interview school. Right? They say you have no qualifications. We're like, well, who? You don't need them. It's a podcast. You don't need anything. You have a chemistry between you. Yeah. That is, is that a little Ed Wynn? It's a little Ed Wynn. Friendship and affection for each other. For and, each other. Uh, very funny. Thank each you. of you and both together. The, I don't know I've, what I'm doing. I No, I, it's not Stuart Smalley, but it's some other kind of character that's sort of sweet. and. It's I'm it's, uh, on the Upper West Side of New York right now. I think I'm just channeling last just person I ran into. Sw sweetness. Something you know, Al you. got uh, Dana. Al is very smart. Went to Harvard. He also got a eight hundred on the math section of the SAT. No, I don't think that's out of Al a thousand. Al did not get a eight hundred on his math. Uh, you um. know, uh, my my mom said that on a. Ra I, I I once did a radio interview in Minneapolis, and my mom. <laughs> Uh, her apartment had burned down <laughs> and mm -hmm. so she had to come with me. I was promoting a book and so we're doing a radio interview and I said, okay, mom, you're not being interviewed. We're like in the green room. And then I had to go to the bathroom and then I come uh -oh. back and I go, where's my mom? <laughs> and she's being interviewed and she's going, Alan got an 800 on his test. Uh, <laughs> within 20 seconds, she pulled that within out. Within 20 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Wow. So. But okay. So seriously, so you're a math whiz or a brainiac? I mean, what is that about? No, I was just good at math. <laughs> and up to a point, I mean, I, I was just, I peaked at, um, you know, algebra two. I mean, mm. I was not, I, I took calculus freshman year and I went, what? I have no idea what this is useful for, and I don't like mm -hmm. it. And, and then I became a comedian. I have to say, I was good at math, Al. And when I went, it, one of those didn't click with me. And I think people that are good at all math is very interesting because it was like algebra, geometry. And then one of them I stopped at and said, I don't get it <laughs> at all. And then they go, well, then you're dumb. And I go, well, that doesn't. Anyway, Al was in the Minnesota comedy sketch scene back. Was that a big scene back? It says uh, that's where you started. I don't know where you got that thing. I, I, there was this thing called Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop, which was <laughs> okay, like yeah. third city. It was like SE. In fact, Del Close taught. And Tom city. was in. Tom was in their troupe. Tom was in. Okay. It, and I'll give you an example. Of, you know, Tom Davis and I uh, met in high school. And we started performing together at this theater in we went to like an open the, what there weren't mics it was a little theater and mm -hmm. um we we were able to get on and, and the 
the owner liked us and we were able to do shows there. And Tom, I went off to college and Tom became a member of the troop and got the training, the improv training. And anyone who's interested in comedy, I would suggest do that because I'll give you one example where it really came in handy. Remember Julia Chow bleeding to death? That, that yeah. sketch, yep. Danny. Yep. Okay. So uh, Tom and I wrote that and we're looking for an, an end. And in improv, you're taught to look for objects because you're out there on the stage, with nothing, and you're improvising. And one of the techniques is to find objects. And at the end, we were looking for a blow for the scene. And Tom said, the phone, you know, there's there's the kitchen phone. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so, you know, Danny, as Julia Child is going like, um, oh, the phone and an emergency call 911. And they, and and Danny picks it up and starts to dial. He goes, it's a prop phone and throws it down <laughs> and then dies, essentially. Yeah. And that was like, you know, it was really, you know, Tom and I as a team each kind of complimented each other in certain ways. That was one of the ways he did. So people who are listening are to your to, to this broadcast uh, podcast are, are really interested in comedy and and young people ask me all the time should i do improv class and I go yeah 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 mm -hmm. and yeah. we always say get it get in a kind of a biker bar and try to do five minutes that's that's the path you know stand up is yeah, a lot a rougher i did biker bar <laughs> whoops oh you know <laughs> ow, that was one of the best sketches ever that was one of the top, top, uh, most memorable sketches. Just well, on that the was side one note. that peaked on air. You know how, you know how oh, you knew yeah. you had something, and you were just going like, "Oh, please peak on air, please." And we, that was yep. one of the. You guys will attest to this. If something worked in dress, it was in air, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that worked in dress, and it was Walter Matthau was the host. But we didn't have the blood <laughs> quite right. And mm -hmm. we held it because we didn't have the blood quite right. It's still kind of killed. But and here's the thing is that that mm. it was an insecticide sprayer <laughs> underneath sure. the counter and the special effects guy was running it. And because Tom and I had written it and we went to the special effects guy and said, can Tom run this, the insecticide? Right, because it's like part of the joke. Yeah. You got to get it right. And and the guy, you know, he it's a union job. They could have said no, but but they love love Tom. And so Tom did it. So Tom and Danny timed those spurts. And mm. and that's, uh, you know, and then, you know, it was one of those things where you're going like, oh, please get it all on 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 air sure. and it does and you go yay yay whoa wow so you actually platformed it and then said let's wait until we get the blood spurt thing yeah and, and that's yeah. was really rare right yeah oh mm. yeah if it, 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 it would work no matter what but you it wasn't yeah. it, you know but <laughs> I guess maybe that just adds to it so much to make those things work perfect it's so much part of the joke and then it goes boom 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 and that's he's saying something funny the blood comes out perfectly and it just builds 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 yeah, and you know what that feels like uh, when it just works on all cylinders. So you know what, what it feels like when it peaks at dress too. That's a sick. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there were years where we did not tape dress. 
Mm. Oh, really? So uh, you didn't have a fail safe then? Well, for, yeah, for we the did, West Coast, for theme. the repeats, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, repeats. Yeah. And, and now they do, of course. And so, you know, mm. Al, when we were there, uh, let's say ninety-one to ninety-six, was uh, I? I mean, I think we did tape just. I never really saw them. I never really. They didn't really do anything with them, but maybe they did tape them. I don't remember. No, I think I, I think certainly in the repeats. I don't think they changed it for the West Coast unless something. I think they do that happened. now, though. They say yeah. uh, we'll yeah. air, they'll see it in the West Coast, the better one. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And what a some... luxury. God I know. Damn. I know. <laughs> Al, can uh, I ask for a second something about you and Tom? Because uh, it's always interesting, uh, origin meetings and how, he, how you guys were partners in crime for so long. Like, do you remember, like, it was eighth grade PE or did you connect with them right away? Or do you have any kind of McCartney-Lennon-esque thing? It was because you guys obviously grade. connected. 10th grade, uh, sophomore. And I changed yeah. schools. I uh, went to the public school system till 10th grade. And then mm -hmm. my, it, it, I don't need to go why I went to this all boys private school, but mm -hmm. it, it ruined my life. But anyway. It involved, um, it involved <laughs> let's just say um, it's, uh, it involved Tom, shoplifting. And, yeah. And so, and then <laughs> we, we would have chapel in the morning. It was like the school uh, founded at the turn of the 20th century for a school for Protestant boys. And they started letting Jews in in the 50s to get the SAT scores up. And so <laughs> um, okay. let that just lay there for a second. Well, <laughs> yes, that, that that's actually truer than you, you can possibly match. But sure. So uh, I get there and Tom makes an announcement. There's so, so oh, the reason I said that about the religion was that we had chapel in the morning. Mm hmm. And they had a big pipe organ. And you sang, you know, Christian these hymns and uh, Christian songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. If, when I the first week I got there, I just didn't sing them. And my math teacher asked me to stay after uh, after class, and he said to me, uh, "Mr. Franken, you want to go to a good college, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, uh, and you're going to need good math scores for that, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, I'd sing the hymns. <laughs> Jeez, blackmail. Do you and then I sang yeah. the hymns and I love singing the hymns. hymns of, you know, a mighty fortress is our God. You know, that. oh, yeah. Did you ever sing Onward Christian Soldiers? That, that was kind of catchy. Onward Christian Soldiers. And I didn't marching. mind. I didn't care. Yeah. But anyway, so, so after the hymns and some, you know, the uh, faculty would there be announcements. Mm -hmm. And Tom was really funny and he would organizations would send him up to do announcements. So like the first week of school, I went up to him. I said, you're really funny. <laughs> and then we started doing stuff together. We started mm -hmm. doing announcements for the, you know, meeting mm -hmm. of the chess club or something. <laughs> and uh, we did all kinds of, of just we did Karnak. We did just, you know, all oh, and of they that let, stuff. They let you do it, huh? And they let you kind of screw around. They, they loved it us doing that i mean it, it was fun and we it was where we really started in chapel could you uh, th there's been people mentioning uh you know 75 to 80 and specifically jim belushi and i i just want to get your john. john sorry jim oh, jim jim mentions it or yeah yeah, jim, yeah. but uh john, yeah. <laughs> sorry sorry jim i apologize uh yeah. john belushi uh well, apparently was uh, sort of an intimidating figure or he became one. But anyway, J our friend Jim Downey talked to it. And I'd like to hear your take on, you know, season three, 
uh, and what was going on with with John, you know? Well, yeah, I heard Downey's interview with yeah. you, and it was great. I'd recommend that to anyone. And he mentioned the time uh, uh, that I think he was referencing. Then this is my memory of it. Um, one of the Charlie's Angels, Kate Jackson, uh, what's um, Jacqueline Fair or Kate Jackson? I think Kate Jackson was the host. Okay. And um, I only referenced that was I remember that was it. And he was very bad off then in terms of drugs. And so he was terrible in dress. So uh, Jim and I had written a sketch and I said, we got to just go and talk to him. <laughs> and, so, uh, and Jim was intimidated at the time more. And I just knew Belushi from the the get go. And I just knew that he could be intimidating, but he wasn't going to do anything. So I, we knock, I knock not on to door you, go, not to the state wrestling champ, but go ahead. We'll talk about that I, later. Well, uh, <laughs> I was hardly that, but so anyway, we go in and I go, John, um, you know, let's run lines on this sketch. Cause uh, frankly, you were pretty bad in it and didn't know the line. <laughs> and he just goes like, get out of here. He makes a fist and, and down, you know, and I'm going like, no, no, I could, I'll tell you what, John, we'll just read them to you so that they'll sound familiar when they're coming out of your mouth. <laughs> and, and that's what we did. We just read him the sketch over and over again. Jeez. And he was marginally better. You know, this is kind of his worst point. Um, and it, but I never saw him actually do anything other than, uh, you know, physically to right. intimidate anyone or other than his bearing. And he well, he wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't great to the women in terms of that uh, showing respect and mm -hmm. uh, the women writers and stuff. So, yeah, that. But God damn, he was funny. Yeah, a brilliant yeah. comedian. I, you, what, I, I'm just sort of curious, like, what were the things he was taking and how did it affect his performance? Was he taking cocaine where he'd speed up? Or was he drinking so he'd slow down? Or do you I remember? think it was mainly cocaine at that time. You know, it's funny. When I first ran for the Senate, uh, one of the first interviews I had, I thought SNL was going to really help me. This is great. This is a feather in my cap. Everyone loves Free SNL. Oh, yeah. They did so, bring up a my... lot of your sketches, didn't they? But anyway, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, my first interview is uh, one of my first interviews. Uh, the reporter says, uh, Yeah, when you were at Saturday Night Live, did you ever do cocaine? And I say, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Yes. Yes, but and then I say, but I only did a little so that I could stay awake late enough to make sure that Belushi didn't do too much. <laughs> good line. Oh, good one. And which was a joke and most people recognize as a joke. But the media, I've learned, what has crazy. a vested <laughs> interest in not getting jokes. So the guy kind of wrote it up as <laughs> Al Franken conceded. That he used cocaine <laughs> while at Saturday Night Live. Breaking news. But said that he only did a little <laughs> so that he could stay awake late enough to make sure that John Belushi didn't do too much. Belushi <laughs> later died of a drug overdose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Connect the and, dots. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so anything I ever did, um, oh my God, I think of 
there is one line in a great sketch comedy killers i don't were you guys around for <laughs> I this i think i was it sounds like okay something. comedy killers was a jeopardy like game but the premise mm -hmm. was and downey and i wrote this and i'm sure and other people kicked in you know it was one of those mm -hmm. things where people kicked in at the table so it was just the categories were like cancer the holocaust <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah kennedy's you know that kind of thing and so there's one joke and rosie schuster wrote this joke so this might have been earlier than why well, or maybe yeah, she's got right. lauren michael's ex-wife yeah mm -hmm. it was yes yes it, and the it was jeopardy like so um this would have been a bad hanukkah gift for anne frank <laughs> and then and eh, what was a drum set? <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> and so I later told that joke, like I'm telling it now. And so that gets like Al Franken told jokes about the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This guy, he's coked yeah, out of his mind and he doesn't care about the Holocaust. Al Franken, pretty good jokes. Yeah. So, in one of his cocaine frenzies, uh, yes. The Holocaust uh, Joker, Cokehead, also said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't know if I want this guy running the country. He feels. Cocaine and the Holocaust are a joke. What else does it he reminds feel? me of those political ads we used yeah, to do? Yeah, that's what those are the best. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, so funny. David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog yeah well i've heard farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh healthy dog food and you know that's what everyone's looking for it's recommended by vets nutritionally balanced uh it's made from human grade ingredients safe clean kitchens all that stuff matters yeah i mean you love your dog why why get the lousy food for your dog farmer's dog is the best traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed sometimes dogs lower quality yeah <laughs> you you put it in their bowl and they go what is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm -hmm. So Farmer's Dog isn't just no. higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And it's just one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't <laughs> matter if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog, get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. <laughs> I, I had a, uh, a kind of a gap girls. It's, it's a, <laughs> a, a, All right. a story, but it's really just about the gap girls set and uh, Paul McCartney. So, I love um, it. I, I think I remember this. Okay. Well, Paul McCartney. Okay. As 
well, for your listeners, what, the first thing that was rehearsed on Thursdays, we shot promos maybe first, but the second thing, maybe the first thing rehearsed was the music because yeah. the music set was the music set and it was there. So you didn't have to bring in a new set. So when Paul McCartney came to play, everybody at 30 Rock knew he was the guest and knew when the music rehearsal was. So 8H was was filled with with people for the rehearsal. And Lauren goes up and uh, asked Paul, I'm there right there, you know, and he's going up to Paul. And he says, could you do? Hey, Jude, how would how would Lauren say that? Um, uh, could you uh, possibly find your way to Hey Jude? It, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just exactly like right. like a really 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 big hit. Yeah, yeah sorry, he, I think find your way to Hey Jude would be yeah, exactly be right. Lauren, so, yeah. So Paul goes like, well, we're not really playing at this tour, so uh, we don't. I don't know if we really know it. And I go, Hey Jude, <laughs> and he goes, No, 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 and because the lyrics are so like this you know da, confusing da, 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 da. but i think paul was actually i think they were doing that tour so he, he goes to the band then he comes back he says yeah so they play hey jude in the studio full of people there and everybody is so blown away and moved and i'm like crying because this was you know i was like 16 when hey jude came out yeah and it was that it just meant so much and that and I'm literally, where's my life gone? I remember being sitting in the car, not, you know, if Hey Jude was on, I just if I arrived <laughs> oh. at my place. I waited to the end of Hey Jude and I'm just so moved. OK, they're doing a Gap Girls. <laughs> OK, now Gap <laughs> so Girls next... is going to enter the story. OK, great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're now we're uh, on Saturday and during meal break they uh they have the music rehearsal so i go of course because it's gonna play hey jude and i go on the floor and i notice while they're playing hey jude that the gap there's a guard on the gap girl <laughs> sketch guarding the clothes yeah because there's so the clothes on the gap girl, the girls gap girl sketch was so i guess valuable enough to have a guard there so but i see that the guard is so transfixed with hey jude <laughs> that and i need some jeans and you need some jeans okay got it and i need some jeans so i watched during dress he's still during air i took two pair of 36 36 30 yeah that's what i was at the time 36 okay. 30s i'm i'm short and well, you uh, have gigantic uh, legs. Remember the legs. night? Yeah, yeah, you and Farley would sometimes, in a fun way, wrestle. At least one night, I remember you guys. It was like Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really know that I was a, a wrestler, but your build is very powerful. And Farley was, you yeah. know, and, and it was like Goliath colliding. Who actually won that wrestling match in the middle of the night on on? 17th floor. Well, I think it was just uh, <laughs> a kind of a man affection thing. Yeah, you guys you were know, laughing you know, how playful. when you did it. Yeah, yeah obviously everyone was turned on. Yeah, uh, all the writers also. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the women. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, actually, Dana, back to that. At the Gap set, they donated a corner, you know, like the set, all from the Gap, and it was all real. So they sent their own security saying, we we have to make sure this comes back in one piece. Oh, okay. And uh, that's what happened. So uh, 
I remember because they told me they go, they got don't worry, all the gap stuff, all the cable crews, everything's gonna be still there on Saturday. No one's gonna be able to pinch. And then uh Yeah, I did. I, I yeah, I think maybe you had told me that. I think it's a great story. Though. I actually I went it. to the prop master and said I took two jeans. Just and he says full disclosure. Have okay. you guys yeah. just threw out any kind of career uh, appearance on a TV show or whatever, and then there's wardrobe left over and there's something that you really like, and then you sort of ask casually, could I kind of keep this jacket and it's really fun when they say yes even though it might only be a 20 dollar jacket something about free stuff on a set or a tv show well um i never acted in a movie and like you guys have Stuart so, smalley uh, well i did i did but why would i keep Stuart smalley's clothes <laughs> yeah okay trading places <laughs> i got his sweater was yeah. what i was gonna say well, i was porter yeah. i was stone porter number one and tom was stone <laughs> porter number two mm. did you write trading places no you? no no we were just given this little part and was stone porter number oh, yeah. one yeah. stone porter number two and we smoked a joint in it and they they took that away because because eddie smokes a joint and remember in the bathroom mm. oh. so we were playing stone but we were no one had seen us in the movie smoke a joint so we were kind of <laughs> dim-witted or <laughs> did you actually do like a stoner dude voice did you do like a character yeah we were kind of like uh yeah like what? that <laughs> and um okay we thought that was motivated by them having seen us smoke pot, pot. <laughs> but it was fine it was fine so al you kind of have a reputation like you do risky stuff and i just want to yes. start with this one Okay, and I don't know if this is true, but it's 1980, Lauren's going to leave, and you were potentially one of the heir apparents to then take over SNL and be the executive producer? Is that possibly true, but you wrote a sketch about Fred Silverman, the then head of NBC, or he yeah, was in it? Yeah, that was stupid. Is that, folk <laughs> <laughs> is that true? In hindsight. That was not biting the hand that feeds? Did that, I mean, what? What was that? Yeah, sketch? I mean, look, my life is unfolded the way it's unfolded. So, <laughs> okay, uh, but that was stupid. I, yeah, I, I would didn't think that necessarily that that was going to happen anyway, and I was kind of up for leaving myself also. Mm -hmm. So I just did limo for the limo, and it was just about how, um, you know, like. I, I didn't get a limo. I see even Garrett gets a limo and <laughs> or something like that. Right. And but I don't get one. And but Fred Silverman gets a limo. And then I we were NBC was tanking at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a couple of like one of the executives attached to the show begged me not to do it. And and we had the ethic that if it's funny, we do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was kind of it. And uh so did it I come it back funny. to hurt you in any way? Then you were going to leave the Only show in anyway. the sense that Fred Silverman Didn't has like hated me uh, yeah. ever since so. and that he was head of the network. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but Al, what about when you? I just watched this whole update bit you did about you came back and I guess it was Gene Domanian had come and, and gone within six months. And he did a whole update piece. Was Chevy the host? Is that why he was there? Oh, he must have been. I think it was like an interim thing where who came back with Ebersol, I think then yeah you were, you were sort of making fun of him too. and I was mm -hmm. kind of making yeah I was that was thinking, ballsy bit yeah I was saying kill the show or something like that and, yeah. and <laughs> then <laughs> but then a writer's strike happened right after that and um 
Yeah. But you always did edgy stuff. Didn't you, uh, this is jumping ahead for a second, but just to your uh, not censoring yourself, didn't you suggest that George Steinbrenner, the billionaire owner of the New York Yan- Yankees, who was the host, that somehow he would be in all fours with a dog collar? And there'd be no, some- no, no, I had him play. <laughs> okay. I wrote a sketch where he's playing Petey, <laughs> who is kind of... Um, like wears a beanie and shorts yeah and is just and everyone just say like Petey, you're so stupid Petey. <laughs> and he would just it was all clearly just a pretext to say a horror you know just yeah. to say stuff to george Steinbrenner like that and he wouldn't do Petey. He wouldn't. Is do that pee. the one where Odenkirk and Conan were supposed to go try to keep talking him into doing a sketch or something? No, this was. Uh, I don't think so. I, I did Petey, and I just thought it'd be very <laughs> funny. <laughs> he had like a beanie with like a twirling yeah, thing on the top. <laughs> on the top. Yeah, yeah and, and he was just wealthy. And then, oh, I powerful. think we made him get on all fours in the sketch. That's what I remember going. And well, kicked him in the ass. That's right. I think that. I was think it. that's yeah. He got him on all fours, <laughs> kicked him in the ass, and yeah. were you shocked when he turned down the sketch? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean. Uh, he was kind of weird. I don't know if he, he was the kind of guy. He did a, a decent job. We wrote a sketch for uh, mm-hmm. him and Neilan and Jan and Victoria, where it was just George is uh, Neilan's boss, and the two couples are going out to dinner, and Neilan offers to pick up the check. And George says, no, come on, I'm your boss. No, no, no. You always picked it up. I'm going to pick it up. And can, no, I'm your boss. I'm taking the check. And I know I'm taking the check. And, he, and then he takes it and goes, well, I was pretty easy. <laughs> and then the one goes, OK, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And then it just escalates. Yeah, yeah. He was and good Jan kind of goes, ah! <laughs> you know, it was one of those. And and Steinbrenner was very good in it. Actually. I just remember him going around uh, 8H asking people where they went to college and like, you know, Penn State, oh, good school. You know, Cambridge, oh, nice school. And then he came to me and goes, where'd you go to college? And I said, San Francisco State. His face went blank yeah. and he just turned and walked away from me. <laughs> really? Why that, well, well, San Francisco State, I guess it wasn't a, a sexy college. God, that makes me think George Steinbrenner is a dick. <laughs> or a guy who just loves <laughs> higher education. You know, I mean, I I just, it was just a funny school that I went to. Now, this is going to stay to the fine school. There are stories that you always feel like everyone's heard, but I, I don't really know the George Harrison legend, legendary visit. I'll give you a choice. Either that or talk about the, uh, the character, the brain tumor comedian. Okay, um, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do Harrison real quick. Uh, both, yeah. So this he was comes, an epic thing. I missed it, but he comes to SNL in what year? Like ninety, whatever. I yeah. probably not ninety. I would have been there. Ninety five, uh, eighty nine, eighty eight, something like that. Conan is there because I was discussed this okay. with Conan, and basically George Harrison is, uh, shows up at uh, on the seventeenth floor. He and Lauren are going out to dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. hey, George Harrison's here. George Harrison's yeah. here. They're going out to dinner. You come, they come back a few hours later, and he is just drunk. <laughs> and so now <laughs> it's like 10 30, 11. I love it. And as you know, this is Tuesday night. This is yeah. Tuesday night. And that's Friday when the show, night. Night. show yep. gets written. And this year I was one of the producers or and uh 
he starts to play the piano. Fun. <laughs> in the, a gift. In, in the read-through room. And everyone just is like gathered around and George Harrison's playing the piano. A Beatles playing the piano. And it's going on and on and on. And I'm going like, the show is not going to get written. <laughs> and so I just go to Phil Hartman. I say, Phil, uh, watch this. <laughs> and you remember my desk my office is right next uh, to right, the right, piano, right right across the piano. The, yeah so i go in my office and i just slam my door as hard as i can i didn't see him because i'm inside but he evidently george like jumped like three feet off the piano bench came down and then left and everybody was just furious at me and i just <laughs> said we well, gotta write we gotta write this show and of course rue mcclanahan was the host no, and, no. She, and she sat down at the piano and wouldn't stop. That piano so was that's a that beacon. story. Oh, and the brain tumor oh. comedian was uh, it, it's Tom is so funny in this piece. It's you know, we would do the Franklin and Davis show, which was a show within the show. And this one is I have a brain tumor and I have this terror, this bandage with a big lump discolored lump on it. And and <laughs> and Al's always wanted to do a single and he's, uh, this is, you know, he's got a brain tumor. So, you know, you're going to really enjoy this folks. This is Tom. And then <laughs> I start, uh, you know, you know, you hear about the rabbi didn't give, uh, uh, you know, didn't charge for giving circumcisions. He only took tips. Woof. And then the next, <laughs> next joke I tell, Woof. I start to space out and every joke I always, the punch is always. He only took tips oh. and then Tom behind me would go would like encourage the audience <laughs> to, to laugh. And, and uh, it was really funny. And Tom was really funny. And, and of course, we got a few letters. Have you ever watched mm -hmm. your, um, you know, wife die of a brain tumor? Have you ever thought of a sketch out unless yeah. where you thought of it and said, ah, no, no, too much. Too, too, sure. too far. I, yes, of course, but I can't remember any. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I can't remember any. It was few and far between, but let's talk about some stuff we did together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, I, you know, and, and Downey, uh, I think I've told you this. Downey had this credo for the, for the political material we wrote, which was we, Downey it was a moderate Republican, a very mm -hmm. thoughtful, uh, you know, conservative in the best sense Republican. And I'm obviously a very progressive Democrat. And we felt that it wasn't the job of the show that to we just we felt the job was to do uh, satirical political satire that was well observed, but not, you know, uh, biased in one way or another. So and and Downey had this motto, which was we're going to reward people for knowing stuff but not punish them for not knowing stuff. Mm -hmm. So the point was, is that you could watch it and not be a political junkie at all, mm -hmm. not follow right. politics very closely and understand it. But if you were someone who did, there was another layer and that that's, that's pretty sophisticated stuff. But, mm -hmm. uh, but Downey and I were pretty, uh, I'm very proud of the stuff I did with Jim and we did so much with you. And Jim mm -hmm. didn't say this, when we're talking about you doing uh, the Bush cold openings, mm -hmm. which we use mm -hmm. as a crutch. 
I mean, uh, <laughs> it I, was basically we can always do Dana yeah, in one yeah. on home base. And uh, and Downey's right. Sometimes we wrote them on and and they were long. But was, here's the thing yeah. that I tell people a lot, which is in dress. And I we those were well written by and large. And Downey kind of said, mm-hmm. well, sometimes we threw you out there with nothing. I don't you know, I don't you made a lot out of whatever we gave you. you. Know, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what would happen is we would send you out there with something actually well, you know, well thought through. You would get so many laughs at will because you do the you just do your the hand your thing right. over yeah. there doing that it, doing it that would spread thing that, and that just whole area will mm-hmm. get laughs. So we had to tell you between dress and air <laughs> a number of times, which I don't think anybody has ever told a performer. Don't get so many laughs because we because you're ruining you, you're not following the through line mm-hmm. of the audiences and they're losing the through line. And you knew exactly what we were talking about. You mm. knew exactly how to dial it down. And you did every f- fucking time. Fucking time. <laughs> you, and which was you knew exactly what oh, you yeah. were doing. You had yeah. such control. And of course, you help write those and added to them. And I also want to tell another story about you, which is and I think I've discussed this with you, but um, in in uh, I guess it was when when did uh, Clinton run? Ninety two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Songus was running and Paul Jerry Songus. Brown was running. Yes. Yeah. Songus, and we had wow. a two week break, which was rare and a two week break. And you said to me, you know, on as we were about to go on, on break said can you work on songus for me you know just on the idea of songus and what mm-hmm. to do with them and so i started playing around with his voice and i nailed it. i got it really great mm-hmm. and then i went to i gave a speech at the kennedy school you know on political satire and I killed with song. So I come back and I'm really embarrassed. Hmm. And I say to Dana, ah, could I do songus? And you just went, yep, I'll do Jerry Brown. Love Jerry Brown. <laughs> and the thing about you is that you knew Jerry Brown. Yeah. Part of it is that you went to, you know, a lousy a campaign, San Francisco and state and California. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but J- Jerry Brown was a great character, but your songus was hysterical. Whatever your take was, I remember it killing. Right, it was you know, uh, you know Snagglepuss with a uh, Kermit with a boss with a Massachusetts accent. Yeah, Snagglepuss, and know, he really had a voice that odd. I mean, it wasn't that big he a did. leap. Yeah, very extreme. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question out. When you and Dana were formulating uh, Bush, it was it was right before I got there, but I just watched a Bush Dukakis uh, early on debate which mm-hmm. i don't even know if it's a cold opening it was 14 minutes which is no, pretty long it might have been but it was, it was great it was during it was the campaign hilarious yeah and, that was and, diane and sawyer discussed with downey the line mm-hmm. which was i can't believe i'm losing this guy yes and yes i wrote that line but the line only worked because of this long setup right of bush mm-hmm. rambling yeah yeah well and it was it was it was Diane Sawyer, Jan Hooks playing a Great. very sultry <laughs> yeah, Diane Sawyer. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> saying hilarious. And, and basically asking him a question and uh, you <laughs> kind of go, well, uh, stay the course. Thousand points of light. Mm-hmm. Stay the course. 
And then she just went for the first time in this. She just went, you still have a, another minute 45, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Vice President. <laughs> and he just saw. Well, say the course. <laughs> yeah. And then bring it down. And she does that back and forth with you like three or four times. Mm -hmm. And finally, she goes, Governor. And then I can't believe I'm losing this guy. So that John was yeah. I wrote that line, but only because of that setup, set up that line. Right. I think I. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. Think I totally. Out of the line off the set. And I John well, and uh, the whole skip and Lovitz nailed that one, by the way. That was, oh, my. He was great in that uh, sketch. <laughs> Lovitz was great as Dukakis. And I don't know if I've told you this, Al, but he on election night when Bush won, Lovitz called me and essentially conceded. Well, you're going to be doing the president for four years. And he, the fake Dukakis conceded to the fake Bush before the real Dukakis conceded to the real Bush. But then I knew I, I was, was going to be in the hot seat, and I didn't really have the impression at that point. You didn't quite have it, and we did sit down, and you started developing that. Well, do you remember the exact moment? Because it was just you and me in a room trying to find it. And I yeah, just I said mean, that doing that thing out there with the finger up, the lazy finger, like that was doing, doing that thing in that whole area. <laughs> and we both looked at each other and laughed. And that was that was the end. It's very interesting how one little hook and then it went to not got that. You're well, <laughs> I remember I you were one of the first guests on my podcast and you said to me because I laughed and you said laughter laugher. is the oxygen of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. If you have someone laughing and you're riffing, then it is. The machine keeps going. So you yes, laugh. Exactly. And I knew. I like, okay, this is great. And then uh, we had Jim Downey uh, coming in. It was like, I felt really blessed to have you and Jim Downey working on it. But you seem to be the primary driver, instigator of the subject matter, and... Uh, which we talked about, but it, it was interesting that when Bush was riding so high, it was 90% approval after his first two years in in the Gulf War. All the sketches, of the Gulf War, yeah. Yeah, all, all the sketches were about how he was impenetrable. And when I did it at D.C. for the Democratic fundraiser, everything was about, I'm going to get elected, and it was just this super happy comedian. He was literally at 89%. Yeah, insane. Well, try to beat me. And that's me. because you know, he let us out of... You know, uh, Saddam invaded Kuwait mm -hmm. and he put this coalition together, put the coalition, coalition. together. Co everyone could do it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's the guy you're just doing the guy yeah. who figured it out. And um, and not unlike what Biden is doing now, in a way. Come on, put this coalition we, got, we got inflation. People can't get the baby formula. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love yelling Biden. I love I love his yell. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. We got to find a way to do it. You know, one of my favorite Boop. hooks that we we started doing this kind of a couple of years ago or something. We started mm -hmm. trying to work on Biden and you, yeah. were, mm -hmm. you were doing it. But one of the hooks I like uh, is. Uh, and that's that's no hyperbole. No, he does that a yeah. lot. Yeah, my father and lost his job. No joke. That was the first one. No, no joke. joke. No that's joke. right. No joke. Not kidding around here. Come on. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. What the guy said. He's killed six million Jews. No joke. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Not doing. Well, I thought that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> that was that was the first hook into him. Now, in fact, is a lot. And guess what? 
You know, there's a lot, <laughs> you know, it went up. I know how to create jobs. I know how to create them. I don't know how to be a job creator. He goes to the whisper <laughs> and then he goes back to the yeller. But um, there's a lot there for sure. Hey, Fidelity. Can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women. I thought I want to learn a new language. You know what I? I do have a because uh, I'm a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of of a French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn, and that's mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's a trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm-hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak listen and think in that language that's the hard part i think that's it and it's an intuitive process you pick Mm -hmm. up the language naturally first with words then phrases then sentences and it's all designed for long-term retention which is great because i took spanish for 12 years and all i know is how to find a library yes don't don't they a biblioteca so this one really really you retain it i learned german and i know has to western now abra no, has to Bruder. No, nine Abra covers by Swester. That means have. Do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> if someone sneezes, Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone. That's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't don't look like some clown. Desktop and (laughs) app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. By Mm -hmm. the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, Mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly on the wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of 50% Mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. And then we had Perot was dropped into our lap during to just follow that sequence. Uh, well, remember that I, you know, I just saw Perot mm-hmm. and I got a tape and we went in Lauren's office and showed yep. you Perot. Yeah. And you said, oh, there's a three dimensional <laughs> fully fledged character in, in there. He is. Yeah. It was like was Sarah Palin and, and Ross Perot are sort of bookends of three dimensional, comedically already funny characters that just walked on the stage. Perot was like next level funny as a character. Yeah, he was. And then we did a cold opening and you wrote the very first one and it was a very yep. funny take. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, basically him saying you don't have to pay me anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if the, we GP uh, if gross domestic product goes up 4%, I get a billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it was like uh, he, he gets made a that taste. Deal. Yeah. And then he called the next, you know, he called on Monday <laughs> at 9 a.m., of course, and we got in at 2 p.m. and uh receptionist uh, got us on with him and you and I were on and he was not interested in the writer at all. He was interested in you. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. But he would, he, at least he seemed to be a good, sport. <laughs> he was a good sport about it. I mean, he, he said, you know, here's an idea. He's I think like, most, yeah, go most ahead. Were, this is a great idea. You go out and campaign as me and I campaign as me. So it'd be two of me campaigning all over the place. <laughs> I mean, he just thought that that's was the precisely funny... what he said. Yes, yes, that that's is exactly like, what he said. You don't said. have to write you know, anything with it. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And uh, uh, no. And and well, you played both Perot and Bush mm-hmm. and uh, Lucky Spade got to ah, be full um, circle. Yeah. Got to be in in the, the wide, wide shot, shot <laughs> as yeah. as as fucking Perot. wide shot productions. So David, oh, yeah. David had to get the hair, the nose, the ears, the suit, everything to look like Perot. I'm so stupid. I didn't even know what was going on. I thought, am I doing Perot? I go, I guess Dana can't into the magic of TV. And bad luck, he could. And uh, I do remember seeing Perot on something, and obviously I wasn't a political guy, and I was like, Al, what you were saying is if you're just a casual viewer, you get... You know, I understood the cold opening stuff. I didn't get the second layer of jokes, but I was just, I wasn't political. So I didn't even really, wasn't about Republican, Democrat. I was just going, is this funny or not? Whatever. And they were always great. Um, And then when Perot was on something on the weekend, like a meet the press, I accidentally saw, I thought, uh, oh, this, look at this little clown. This is hilarious. And he was, he was like, someone gets to go do a stand-ups act, you know, because he's already funny. And I go, and he was a little pipsqueak. And I go, oh, maybe I could. And that's how out of it I was. By the time I called Smigel and I just said, hey, is there any ways like, we got it covered. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) I got it down. Probably even more fun than George Bush Sr. At least this phrase. You're not listening. Can I finish one time? (laughs) Just that to me, that's one time. You're not listening. Can I finish one time? Or you get it right. Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish one time? <laughs> You're not it's like a listening. Music. Can I finish one time? It's like, it's like James Brown or something. Can I finish one time? Well, Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that's the thing is that you, you know, your impressions are musical in in many yeah. ways. 
Uh, it's all chop. It goes all back to chopping, chopping broccoli. broccoli. <laughs> uh, On the yeah. first show, once once she I had the she chop, she chop. I know. <laughs> I have no excuse for it except that I think I'm trying to make myself laugh, and then it just makes me laugh. Someone going, "Can I finish one time? Or are you gonna rub oh. me?" Can it's so I goofy and cartoony. One time. <laughs> but he did say something like that. Well, if it's all making yourself laugh, that's all it that's is. It, if people it, ask yeah. me, what is your favorite? You know, what's your favorite moment from Saturday Night Live? Wow. 15 seasons you did. And I say that my favorite thing at Saturday Night was three in the morning, rolling on the floor, laughing with the writers, with the cast members, just and part of, you know, Woody Allen once said that writing uh, comedy is either easy or it's impossible yeah. <laughs> when it's easy and it's your friggin' True. job is mm-hmm. what you're yeah. supposed to do. Yeah. So th- this stuff is making you laugh and, you know, and it could be downing on a riff. It could be you d- count up with, you know, you and Neil and doing Hans and Franz. Mm-hmm. It can be bye-bye. It can be, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you just are going like at that moment of creation mm-hmm. that someone's doing something and you just it's so funny. But it's the added thing of we just did our job really well. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes at rewrite table, it could be four in the afternoon or four in the morning. And w- if someone cracks the code on something and everyone starts laughing and then everyone riffs on it, it that's the funnest time. Because uh, everyone's good at the table. So everyone's throwing in something good from right and left. And you go, wow, this is really jumped this sketch way ahead of where it was. David, I saw David tell the other day or a couple a couple months ago, actually, at the Comedy Cellar. And I just said he was at the table for a year or something. And uh, and he do you remember uh, uh, the Bobbits? You know, she cut off his penis yeah. and, and that thing. And I was doing a Stewart with, I guess, Myers <laughs> was the guy. And uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was Lorena Bobbitt. And I I had a line that I didn't have the punch to. And I go, so how how did it feel, or how does it feel now? And and Attell's line was, it itches. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, it just it, it, when someone does something like that, you know, it just it's such a gift to have that table. And then sometimes the table yeah. is so deadly. Like at three in the morning. Well, I just remember like a lot of food, like guys around the table and some women, of course, on 17th floor. And I'm thinking it it is kind of like nothing's going on. Like it seems like the deadest space in the world. And there's Chinese food or pizza. Everyone's leaning back on their chair, tapping the pencil. Window is cracked one inch because everyone's dying in there. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't believe there's going to be a show. But you told me once, Al, uh, you told me that I peaked at read-through, you know, and that really helped me. (laughs) Going forward, sometimes you try to get it on so hard in your first year that you literally never get back to it. You, you've you've peaked at read through, and you definitely don't want to peak at dress unless you're at war yeah. to get it on air. You want to leave a little something, so that that there's a lot of inside baseball about. Well, if that. you have an insider with Al, if Al's writing with you, and you're at dre- and you're read through, I think it's a little easier to pull back because he's going to be in the room saying he's going to bring it up. So you at least have 
a part well, there, there were years that I, I was i was in the room and i was yeah. sitting here downy kind of talk about the most fun he had at the show was when he just was writing and not producing and there was a little there was a little it it was nice to be able to go in there and express your opinion and on what gets what gets picked for read through and stuff like that but it also yeah it it uh there's something nice about just being a writer too and, and also i was performing every once in a while well as a cast member you want to hook up with someone who, who has lauren's ear and lauren trusts you know sure. in the in the room after the read through that's always a nice thing to do for people who are just beginning cast members. A little tidbit. <laughs> Al, we can't uh, go without talking about Stuart Smalley. I remember the the um, Michael Jordan one was probably such a huge home run. That one's that one's oh, uh, that one was a peak one on air. Greatest sketches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that you was. Know, I mean, uh, kill killer. Well, know. and and he was. Uh, I think he was cracking up or something too much or something in dress. And I just said, just dial it, you know, and he understood it. I mean, so here's a guy, you know, he's a very, I, Oh, you know, when remember when, uh, Lauren hosted or uh, produced the ESPYs. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, if you remember, maybe that. you weren't yeah. around for that. So he, uh, sponsored, uh, yeah, produced, produced the ESPYs. And so I was a presenter and I did this joke and it died. And I thought it was a great joke. And this was the year <laughs> that he, they did the second uh, three-peat, right? Okay. Uh, the, the Bulls yeah. did. Bulls. So I went up there and I just said, and remember, this is a lot of athletes and a lot of people in sports. But I just go like, you know, a lot of people are saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player who ever lived. Well, all I can say is, Michael, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and it just laid there. It's not the and, right crowd. Yeah. They just going, he has proven it. Uh, you know, that was their uh, attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Who right. the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. that laying an egg so bad. And I went, oh, okay. This is not a comedy crowd. Uh, uh, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan at that show running around was such a big deal. That was so much fun. Was he I mean, kind for, of the biggest guest in, in that way, Jordan? That when we were there, I, I think. I mean, I in a way. I mean, he's. Uh, I remember that was the first time we were fielding uh, NBA players in the Olympics, mm -hmm. and I just said to him, "So, uh, how do you think you're going to do?" <laughs> 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 and it was like him and magic. I mean, Bird, you know, it was like yeah. ridiculous. And he mm -hmm. said, oh, and he was so confident. And of course, they just killed everybody. Yeah. And uh, without even trying, really, it, it was. But I, I just remember the, the, the exuding confidence and the and, uh, co competitive. Uh, he had a moment with me. He goes, um, do you golf? I go, well, a little bit here and there. I go, but I'm, I'm lucky to break 100, you know. And he paused. He looked at me, and he's towering over me. He goes, well, you're not very good, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's unnecessary. Say, Let's play. Yeah. That's unnecessary, yeah. Michael. Well, he's famously you don't seem competitive. Very athletic. Yeah, you don't seem very yeah. athletic. He bets a lot in golf, and he bets, like, each hole, and he bets, because I, I golf, and I, uh, I'm not very good either, but... Uh, it, it's it's fun the stories you hear from caddies and these great golf courses where he comes in and sweeps people and he loves it loves it he just 
always looking for some action, which is great. It's it's a cool thing about him. People love Michael Jordan. Well, I think athletes, athletes uh, just kind of blow our minds. Old movie stars when Robert Mitchum came on, Charlton Heston or Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky showed me how to hold a hockey stick. Wayne Gretzky got on his knees and, and laced up my skates and showed me how to do that. So there, there's cool moments, moments, yeah, you're like, damn. And the musicians as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I was there for Peyton Manning, but I thought, did you see that show? I wasn't, but I thought he was hysterical on the show. I saw it. He yeah. was fabulous. Yeah. There were a number of, of uh, these guys who were just, really really good and we some should of get them on some of them were loxes like yeah uh but they were almost like. funny being loxes <laughs> do you remember a piece that we uh, tom and i wrote this um trying to figure out if you who, who was there which one of you were there hurry it was uh, joe montana and he was walter payton uh well yeah but on this one joe montana who was kind of a lox um we was just he thinking a, out loud, thinking out loud. That one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was uh, it starts off with uh, Phil and Jan, and he's trying to get her to stay the night. And and it's that cliche of he says something and then you hear what he's thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she says something and we played it. Tom and I wrote it so that you thought that was the sketch that that we thought that was the comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching it, you're going like this is kind of lame this is a device that people use a lot and then his roommate comes and phil's going oh no and he says this guy you know my roommate is the most honest guy there is and then at one point he goes you know he says it's nice to meet you and then his thought is it's nice to meet her (laughs) and then then the last line was i'm going to go upstairs and masturbate (laughs) and then I'm going to go upstairs and masturbate was his thought. Right. <laughs> and my God, it was so funny. And it was partly funny because he was a locks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he was competitive to, with himself. I, I was told that he wouldn't come out of his dressing room. It had to at the end of the show. He thought he didn't do well, that kind of thing. I, oh, I go, you're a football yeah. player. What are you talking about? But I got he to play catch fine. with him. He did fine. He was, it was yeah. funny. Like no way not to do well as an athlete. <laughs> Bill Russell did well, uh, uh, did really well. I, mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I did a, uh, I did a roast with Peyton and uh, I didn't see his SNL, but I thought oh, it'd be fun to have Peyton in there and he crushed it. He's crushing, you know, they wrote him jokes, but he, he, he delivered them. He was great. He got huge laughs, huge applause. He's always, he's got a very light, funny thing about him. And uh, that's why I think he's in all these commercials and does that Manning cast. It all works. You know what I've discovered in comedy? Some people are funny <laughs> yeah. and some people aren't. <laughs> Is that really in all your days? That's what you've come up with? Yeah. Do you guys think, it, like, you were there There's at the There's 900 big, of us, Dana. Uh, that was, you know, one of Lauren's great things. There's only about funny people. There's only 900 of us on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like the perfect number, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Since Al, you were there in 75, I just want to ask you this question. Did, was anyone cognizant of the idea of taking a football player or a, a, a dramatic actor or whatever and forcing them to become a live sketch player? The reality show aspect of Saturday Night Live that, that sustains it. Because if you see a football player or a singer trying to do this and they're kind of bad, it's still compelling, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Because they're absolutely, yeah. you know, the first one we had was Fran Tarkenton. There you go. Oh, wow. And Football. that was Franny's idea. That was my wife's idea. Because of the namesake a little bit. She Fran said, Tarkenton and, and Franny. <laughs> and how was it? He he was very good. Um and it was Old just, Vikings quarterback for the audience. Yeah, yes. This is this going back a ways. And uh, you know, he wasn't the greatest who had ever done it, but um, he was he was very good. And I remember Belushi for that. We did a cold opening where Belushi is like a coach. We did a football, some a lot of football theme thing. And Belushi made me go back to his apartment and read to me uh, Dick Butkus's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to stay there like all you know, hours while he read this thing. And uh, he worshipped Dick Butkus, who was a linebacker for everyone <laughs> for uh, uh, the Bears. Chicago I, Bears. I did a TV show with Dick Butkus and you Bu- did. and Bubba Smith called. Uh, it was with James Ferentino, and it was this helicopter Jesus. cop show. Yeah, Airwolf was no, it no, it was an Airwolf. I can't. Blue Thunder. The cop show. Blue Thunder, yeah. I played the Daniel and Stern what did you, part. What did you play on it? Well, I, I take I some played, Viagra uh, called that. Just an, I played the the sidekick in the back of the chopper with a helmet on, Clinton Wonderlove. <laughs> just another frustrated observer. Like, I wanted to be out. Clinton Wonderlove? Well, yeah. That was your dumb James name. James Ferentino would have a styrofoam cup full of vodka, and he would smash the pages of the script on the thing and yell at the crew. It was like Scarface. What style. year was this? What year was this? I just took stuff. In 84, I, <laughs> I had no confidence that I could be on Saturday Night Live, really. So when people said I luckily uh. got cast in things, I just did them. And they were a complete waste of time. And I got fired. Uh, but I got into the outfit, went into the fake chopper. They're going around blowing steam at us. And then they said, Dana, come down the ladder in front of the whole crew. They fired me, and I had to do the perp walk and go just in front of everyone. I go to the wardrobe guy, really nice guy, and I go, I, I'm a comedian. I'm funny. This is like 84. He put his hand <laughs> on my shoulder and said, shh, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay, son. And then he saw me like eight years later in 93. He goes, you were right. What the fuck? <laughs> what were you doing in a helicopter? I had a very strange route to SNL. I mean, you saw me once, right, Al? You were in 84. I probably bombed. I did, and I blew it. I blew it. I saw you doing stand-up in San Francisco. And I probably I wasn't. Go, like, that guy is brilliant. But you know what? You weren't ready. Well, you you're know, you're ready a year later. <laughs> I would yeah. just say confidence until you're kind of famous it is a wide range of how you'll be on a given night. And if you lose a little bit of confidence, at least for me, I don't know about Dave Chappelle. You know what? Or, I don't or think Robin I Williams, was the, but yeah, go ahead. I don't think I was the best judge to do this. You know, um, uh, I uh, that year, that was the year we came back from being gone. Right. That Lauren came back from being gone. Yes. 85. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we picked we picked Lovitz that year. We got uh, Hello. You know, a, 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 <laughs> a few good people, but we I think there were some people that we missed that were really that ended up being real huge. Mistakes. It's always easier after the fact to say, oh, why didn't you pick that person? But, you you know, when you see him, sometimes it's too raw or too rough or they haven't developed and you just. It's it's an it's, easier miss. It's better to wait. You know, there there people sometimes they'll put them on when they're not ready. They're twenty one or twenty two and not ready. But for me to get on with Phil and Jan, freakily do the church chat sketch. Rosie Schuster was the one who was helping me form. I had the character, but the platform. 
then all these religious scandals happen, and you, and Al came on, and you did Swagger, right? So throughout that uh, first that, year, Pat Ro- I think Pat, I did Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson, and then Phil did Swagger, and then they did yeah, Tammy Faye. So I have this Churchlight Shady Lady character. I get fa- perfect, <laughs> yeah. And then these scandals start happening, and so, but that that was that was fun. You doing Pat Robertson like laughing or crying. I mean, but it was a very funny take on Pat Robertson. Uh, Pat, my Pat Robertson was just very happy. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the key good, to him. Though. He was just, Does that oh, mean- he was just very joyful. There's, there's a woman in Ohio <laughs> who's just had her diverticulitis cure. Diverticulitis. <laughs> and, <laughs> funny word. Yeah, something like that, you know, uh, but he, he was just happy. He was yeah. a happy Christian. And you started laughing. That was my take on him. And then sweat. Yeah. Phil was crying, and then we closed in on a close-up or something like that. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like two idiots not talking. Just <laughs> anyway. And I heard you maybe it was on it was maybe it was with uh with Jim about how they censored church lady and you just became dirtier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. Couldn't say penis, but I could say throbbing uh Bulbous organ, willing as mallet, yeah, <laughs> naughty parts, sweating and grinding, yeah. So that it was, it was became, yeah, it was pornographic to me. I don't know, but that was a well. A all they cared time. about was is someone going to complain? Yeah, and they're not. Gonna, they could complain about penis because it's penis, right? But they're not going to complain about throbbing, throbbing <laughs> naughty parts. Looking to save on delivery. DashPass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for Dash Pass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh, yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, Call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. Do you remember Andrew Brewer, who is our kind of cool sensor guy? He wrote <laughs> us after he wrote into the podcast because we've talked about him. But we always say positive things. He's always in like a tough position. <laughs> and he would always go, guys, come on. You can't do this when you're not saying pussy like that. And I'm like, <laughs> no. We are, we are, what do you mean? We always play dumb. What are you talking about? Oh, that's and right. So, you yeah. had that very uh indistinct uh, oh that's right you remember thing. that yeah 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 what was that yeah i still have it between my legs um no uh it was on <laughs> weekend update and i i i sort of mumbled the word pussy and uh 
And Dennis is like, Spudley, I wouldn't mess this one up. You're going to be fucking out of here. You're already teetering on a thread. I'm like, what? <laughs> Thanks. And then, uh, and then, uh, and, and, and then so I, I said the in and out list, you know, I think the out list was uh, going out after the show, getting out of pussy. Oh yeah. The in was, <laughs> I was saying you're not, oh, oh uh, in is uh, not enunciating enough to get caught by the censors. And then the out was going to get his own pussy. And then I walk in the hallway and Andrew's shaking his head, walking at me going, Spade, come here. And I go, what? And, <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. And then he goes, come on, dude. And I go, but it did pretty good address. So he goes, come on, you can't. We got, we got advertisers saying we pull out if he does this. And so I do it. And then Dennis is right next to me going, I don't know, spud. And so I do it and it gets too big of a laugh. And Dennis is like, it's curtains for you, guy. <laughs> <laughs> did you want uh, too big a laugh was trouble? Yeah, because it means you said it to everyone understood it. <laughs> yeah. And, well. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I I got along really well with with most of the censors. Yeah, you know, Clotworthy because yeah. I know you mentioned him with Jim. Mm -hmm. I really like Bill Clotworthy. He was a nice guy. Yeah, he was a lovely guy, and it's he a tough job. Mm -hmm. He stood by a couple of things I did that um, were I did. Do you remember um, uh, first you uh, for the, this NBC reporter wrote a book about her having a mastectomy. It was called First You Cry. And then I did a sketch when we had, uh -oh. uh, it was First He Cries. <laughs> and, and it was, it was Gilda, unfortunately, in retrospect, mm -hmm. has a mastectomy. And Bill Murray is her husband. And he just um, goes, you know, it, it starts feeling really sorry for himself because his wife is <laughs> <laughs> <So> horrible. <laughs> when, yeah. The whole point was that it was satirical, which right. is no, a yeah. guy doesn't do that. Yeah, right. that <laughs> is so, the joke. Yeah, yeah, that was the joke. And so and uh, B. Arthur was her like oncologist and she's basically saying <laughs> this happens all the time. <laughs> and the fact that he's got a girlfriend now named Bambi as not you know is to be expected <laughs> and and clotworthy's wife had had a mastectomy and he just said mm -hmm. to me i love this sketch wow because mm -hmm. he got the satiric yeah point of it and that was that was when you just went oh and i was really good friends with all the censors because i talked to them all the time yeah because they my stuff was you know um i had to deal with them all the time they call down Edgy. All right, Dana, what else you got for Al, this poor guy? We're moving to the ringer. I don't know. I wanted. Well, I'm having fun. So Stuart, I know it is fun. Stuart Smalley, we got to that. There's too much. I will have one last thing. You didn't write Reagan Mastermind, did you? That was a great. I that, was Smigel's, uh, that was Smigel's. That was Smigel's. I kicked in. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, that had a line that Chippendales had, which was. Oh. This is the part of the job I hate. <laughs> and that, that was Mike Myers' line when they had to choose between uh, Swayze and Swayze and Chris. And, and, uh, and you know, it's so hard, you know, they're, they're consulting, and, and Myers <laughs> goes, This is the part of the job I hate. So had, that was one of my favorite lines. I don't think I wrote that in, uh, I, I, Downey wrote Chippendales. I had one, I got, my name was on it. But it was because I sat with him while he wrote it. And I, <laughs> That's a good I had, trick. I I had one thing in it, which was the name Barney. 
Barney, yeah. <laughs> Barney and Adrian, right? Barney and Adrian. Adrian? Barney? Barney? <laughs> yeah, that was That's Neilan who did funny. that great. Yeah. Well, Neilan, Neilan, the greatest attitude player, that was what was great. It was like you just knew Neilan could play attitude. Mm-hmm. I, uh, D- Downey and I wrote a piece which was, and then you think about how of the time it was, it was a uh, a toothpaste ad uh, which had, had Garrett and Victoria, not Garrett, uh, uh, Tim Meadows, I guess, and uh, Victoria Jackson. And they're pitching it to, for the Country Music Awards. And, mm-hmm. um, and Kevin is the guy who is receiving the pitch and has to <laughs> Has to say no. We don't we don't want to put, and it ends with this big kiss, right? And this is I can't remember what year it was, but this was not something you would put on the Country Music Awards. A, a white woman kissing a black guy on right. on the lips, and it was Neilan trying to say no without saying that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Saying all the reasons it wouldn't work, but well, not saying just, that. Well, uh, it just, you know, just. Yeah, uh, that sounds very yeah, much. Yeah, I can't Kevin's. remember the lines, but you give him attitude and it was just, he was a master. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. He is. Maybe, he is. Maybe yeah. we could think of uh, something else to do here at this beat. I, uh, I don't know. Well, that's, that's uh, you know, then I ran for the Senate. You ran for the, <laughs> a little birdie told me that you ran for the Senate. Yeah. And then, uh, uh yeah, it's, uh, well, uh, look, you, you guys, this, this idea of doing that, you, you've had, you, I love that you're having writers on. Yeah. I kind of go by like people in high school or college that are just interested in this or interested in comedy. It's kind of interesting to hear it just straight from people. Their, pro- their, their process or how it happened and and why and the whimsy of it all too. Just like where does where does your inspiration come from, Al? <laughs> you once told me, Dana, that no one should become a comedian unless they have to be a comedian. Pretty much, I I think show business in general is an emotionally violent sport. Um, <laughs> you yeah. said that I, I wrote that down I thought that was interesting um, well your feelings get hurt a lot e- even if you're doing really All well and, and you know my touchstone as corny as it sounds is like I'm still making money doing this and that's pretty cool <laughs> I never lost yeah well because of the threat you're of one that. of 900 people who can yeah um, I just got an update there's 911 <laughs> there's some, some Bangladeshis were funny and we had uh, someone uh, from Madagascar fall, who made some list. people fall out <laughs> there's people fall Lor- <laughs> well guys All thanks right. Al thank Al, you Al you buddy. were great uh, really 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 interesting and fun so thanks for coming on and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Well, thank you, guys. All right. See you, bud. Senator Al Franken. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? <laughs> we want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Hey, we got a question here, Dana. And uh, right. to wrap it up, this is uh, we get so many questions that we usually say the listener's name, but... When so many ask the same type of question, we're just going to okay. do the question. 
Uh, they've written about Larry Sanders' show and Gary. Uh, any mm-hmm. stories about, yeah. Well, you Gary Shanley. Uh, Gary Shanley, um, we all knew Gary for a long time in the clubs, great stand-up. And then when he did the Larry Sanders show, he asked me to come on. It, it They were making episodes, but the show was not released yet. Mm-hmm. So he asked me to come on and be myself, Dana Carvey, guest hosting for Larry Sanders. And we had a scene where he asked me to do an impression of him to him. Because I used to do this gear where you go, what are people doing? I don't know what the cat food on the carpet, which was an exaggeration of one of his rhythms. And he's the one who wanted me to do it. Here's the interesting part of me guest hosting Larry Sanders. Hervé Villachez, who was a little person, was a guest on the show, but it had never aired. Even though he was told, he thought I was a real talk show host interviewing him, and he never knew that it was a fake talk show. So that that, that was very funny. So I was on one of the very first Larry Sanders. David? Uh, Well, a tidbit. I went to the Comedy Museum. Heather, where was that? It was in Jamestown, New York, and they have have the Larry Sanders set there. They have so much. This is actually, I'll give him a shout out. It's a great comedy museum. They have so many things. Mm. But they have the set, which threw me back because I did do, Mm -hmm. I did the third one. Again, like oh. you, I think he was getting people he knew a little bit. He's from Tucson. I'm from uh, Scottsdale. I knew him a little bit. And through Brillstein Gray, I knew him mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I was going to be on his old Gary Shandling show, and I, we didn't work it out. And this one, he said, right. why don't you play yourself? He, it was sort of like you where he said, why don't you play a comedian? I had like a goofy comedian name. And then he goes, why don't you just just do it as yourself? Do you care? We might just do that. Yeah. We want to play themselves. Mm-hmm. Janine Garofalo interviewed me, and I was a stand-up. It was a funny idea because I was a stand-up, and I did – I was doing his show like on a Friday and on Monday I do Leno and I do the same set. And then he goes, <laughs> yeah, you so can't do the same set here. I go, well, it doesn't matter. They go, no, no, you have to do all new stuff. I go, no. And so, uh, it was a big mess. And then they bump me. Rip Torn goes, Rip Torn. Yeah. Go, he goes, let's bump that fucking spade and, uh, uh teach him a lesson. Show him how Hollywood works right here. And so they bump me and then, and then two seconds later, Janine <laughs> Graffla runs in and goes, Joe Pesci's stuck in Chicago. There's a snowstorm. And Rip Torn looks at, looks at Gary. And then you cut to Gary going, making his third appearance, David Spade. <laughs> and I come out and I open with my same joke and Rip Torn just shrugs his shoulders. And that was the episode. It was fucking great. I thought it was so funny. I thought Gary was great. I mean, Dana knew him better in the real life, but. He blessed my house. I bought a house in Encino, my wife and I, and he wanted to come go through it for spirits and stuff. Oh, really? So we stood outside and waited, and Gary was in there for like 20 minutes. He came out, and he goes, it's clean. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's his side hustle? But I would say that Gary, as funny as they come in the show, Mm -hmm. you know, he was a little bit conflicted for a while. He was up for taking over for Johnny, which Jay Leno did. And then he does this show, and I've had young people, young people email me and stuff. This Larry Sanders show is pretty brilliant. So it's cr- it, was it broke everything. It broke the office. He really influenced so unreal. many people with that, whatever you call that style. I'd never been on a show like that. They had three 16 millimeter cameras, and you're doing a take. Every take is done. There's the single shots and the two shot. And he also in between you go, yeah, just say something like that. And I'll say something like this. And yeah, really give it to me this time. And then you would do it. So it was incredibly good for comedians because who wants to repeat the same line? Sort of like pre-curb, you know, when I did curb, they say, just just get angrier on this take. It wasn't even about lines. Just here's your attitude in this. And then they go whisper to Larry, here's his attitude. I don't know what his is going to be. So I think Gary's 
He, he started, he in the modern era, I mean, there were other people, he did, it's the Gary Shandling show, it's he broke the fourth wall, but he kind of lit the match for this modern type comedy. So, right. thank you, God people. rest his soul, and yeah. thanks for the question. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free, wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 